This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening, everyone. Baruch Mabam. Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to share a few thoughts before. The great Chag Habalino Latoyva, the Arizal writes that the light of Purim is greater than any light that the Yubanisham ever brought down to this world, greater than the light of Shabbos, than Yom Tif. The R of Purim, Loi Hoya R Kamoyhumayoylam. In fact, the Chsam Soifer goes so far as to write in his Drashos an amazing statement. He says, Who could say such a thing? But Chsam Soifer writes that the light in Megillus Esther is actually greater than the Torah itself. And therefore, Talmidei Arizal say, the reason why Mevatlin Talmud Torah Uban Lishmaya Mikra Megillah is because the light of the Megillah is mamish greater than the Torah itself, and that obviously requires uh, a uh, sheer into of itself. I want to share with you a few ideas on the Megillah. Let's first study the life of Esther Hamalka. We could make the case. That there's no individual in history that lived a more lonely, painful life than Esther. Let's think about it. Chazal say, If she had no father and mother, so why does it have to say, Obviously, she had no father and mother. Says the Gemara, when she was conceived, her father died, and when she was born, her mother died. So she wasn't Stama Yisoyma. She wasn't Stama Yisoyma from both parents. She never saw either parent. Her father died when she was conceived. Her mother died when she was born. And then Esther marries Mordechai. But that uh, marriage was uh, not to last long. Chazal say, the Chashar Avadati Avadati. Until now she went to Achashash Ba'oynes, now she goes Baratzoin, so she's also to Mordechai. So she has no husband. In fact, there's a famous Ramah, the Ramah quotes the Maharik, that why was Esther Asr to Mordechai? Was she allowed to live with Achashverosh? Yeah, she got a heter from the Gadol Adar, that in order to save Klal she has to live with Achashverosh. So if she's allowed to, so why is she Asr to her husband? <laughs> she got a psak. She needs to live with Achashverosh. So it's mutter. So if it's mutter, so why is she also to her husband? Whereupon the Marik said a very big chiddush. The Marik says the iser labal. It's not a religious iser. The Torah says umalamal biisha. The iser to the baal comes from the fact that she wasn't faithful to her husband, regardless of whether she's allowed to or not. It doesn't say the Marik says umalamal b'ashem. So even if uh, it's mal mal beisha, she still asked to her husband. But Moshe has a very interesting tshuva. We were just learning about it today in Evan Ezer, Chelak Dalid, Simon Mem Dalid. But Moshe wants to know about a very bizarre case where a husband tells his wife, according to the Marik, that the Isser labal is because she's unfaithful to the husband. So if the husband introduces her to the boyel and is moichel, is she also is she still asked to the baal? Rav Moshe calls it a very embarrassing case, but that's the Shaila Rav Moshe, according to this Marik, that we learn out from Esther, that the Yisra Labal is because she's unfaithful to her husband. Well, what if the husband's Moicha? Okay. 
What? So they said, no, Mordechai wasn't Mordechai. He just said, you have to do it. Um, but uh, he, it still bothered him. Okay, in any, in any event, Esther had no father. Esther had no mother. Esther had no husband. How about Yiddishanachas? Yiddishanachas, she didn't have either. She married Achashverosh to have a kid, Daryavesh. He may have helped Klaiso build the Beis Hamikdash, but he did not live like a Jewish person. So think about it. They're giving out shalach manas, they're giving out matas of yoinim, they're having a suda, everybody's rejoicing, and Esther's sitting there in the palace, galmuda, almona, yesoima, ein banim, ein bita, it's nothing, she has nothing in life. She's all by herself. Who in history of Kal Yisrael lived such a lonely life that Esther Hamaka lived? And yet Hashkoch el had it, that this was the fate of Esther Amalka. Certainly, who are we to ask why the Rebbe Shalom did this? But still, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu arrange it as such that Esther Hamalka should suffer such a fate? After all, look what she's doing for Klal Yisrael. So I came across a story in the Sefer Toldois Adam, which is a biography of Zalmala of Velazhen the brother of Reb Chaim Belajan. And he brings down a story of something that occurred in the Spanish Inquisition in 1492 about a righteous woman who her two children were taken away from her and she did not want to give them over for conversion so they were killed in front of her eyes. And at the murder of her two children, she lifted up her hands to the Rebbe Shalom and she says, God Almighty, until now my heart was full of love for you, but I had to share the love I had for you with the love that I had for my children. But now that you've taken away my children from me, all the love that until now I had to my children, Hareni Moiser Lacha, I give it to you to be Mekayim Vyahavta, Sashem Lekacha, Bachalavavcha, Ubachal Nafshacha. This is the story brought in the Taldai Saddam. And in the biography on the Chafetz Chaim, he cites that when the Chafetz Chaim lost his son, Rabbi Avram, the Chafetz Chaim did not cry, he did not let out any emotion. Instead, he said over the story printed in the Todos Adam, and therefore the Chafetz Chaim also said, The love I had for you, for my son, I give it to you, Rabbi Avram. So from here we see, that certainly nobody would want to have to suffer such a fate. But if a person would find themselves in this world, in a matzav of loneliness, without family, without friends, as difficult and as painful as it may be, nevertheless it affords a person a certain opportunity to mekayim the midst of Avas Hashem on the highest possible madrega. That we know that through the story of Purim, Klaiso reached the highest madrega of Kabbalah Satar. In fact, the original says, we learned in the Haftar yesterday, that Shmuel comes to Shal Nush, Hashem told you to kill out Amalek, to kill out Agag, why didn't you do it? And what's Shal's reaction? Hakimoisi estavar Hashem! What? I fulfilled the word of Hashem! Hashem told him, kill out Agag. He doesn't kill him, and he has the audacity to say he was Mekayim the Dvar Hashem. Says the original, he saw Baruch HaKodesh, that through Agag would come Haman, and through Haman would come the Kabbal Satorah of Purim, which is the greatest Hakama of the Dvar Hashem. He said, what do you want from me, Hakim? Moisius Dvar Hashem. 
Who is the catalyst to bring Klal Yisrael to the highest darga of Kabbalah Sator in our history? When HaKadosh Baruch Hu offered the Torah to Klal Yisrael and Har Sinai, what did we say? Thanks, but no thanks. We weren't interested. And Hashem basically had a force it on us. He had to shove it down our throats. We didn't want it. Amrav Abdimi, Barchama, Barchasa, Malamid, Shukaf Aleim, Harkegigas. Frek the Medrash, Tanchuma, Parshas Nach. What do you mean by we said Nasav and Nishma? So the Medrash famously answers, we said Nasav and Nishma to the Torah Shabbat Chzav. To the Torah Shabbat Peh, we weren't interested. And therefore, Amar Rabbah, Mikan Moida Rabbah Loi Raisa. If we ever are not Mekayim the Torah, we have an opt-out clause, we could say we were forced into it. Until when? Hadar Kebluha Bimei Achashverosh. So what happened on Purim? We were Mekabel the Torah Shabal Peh Biahava. Says the Medrash, there's a very big difference between Torah Shabachsav and Torah Shabal Peh. Torah Shabachsav you could learn yeah, with a half a head, with a half a concentration, relaxing. But Torah Shabal Peh is Azek Hamoves Vikosha Kishoel. It's difficult like death to learn Torah Shabal Peh. You have to apply yourself. You have to learn Tarsh about Pel with all your heart and love Hashem with all your soul. So that means Esther had to bring Kalal Yisrael to Madrega of the highest level of Avas Hashem. How was she able to bring Kalal Yisrael to the highest level of Avas Hashem? Only someone who could be a Kli whose heart had no other Ahava in this world. Not for a father, not for a mother, not for a husband, not for a son, not for a daughter, for nobody but the Rebbe So Esther was able to dedicate her entire existence, entire heart, only to the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Memela, such a lave that was only Malay Ava for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then was able to overflow to the rest of Klal Yisrael, and Mamela Esther was able to be the catalyst to the greatest Kabbalas HaToyrah in the history of the Jewish people. So I want to share with you something, Oyem uh, Benayra. The Yushalmi Masechta Megillah. The Yushalmi Masechta Megillah tells us on the words, we say, these days of Purim will never pass away from Kal Yisrael, and their memory will never cease. Says the Yushalmi, what does it mean, V'zichram lo Yosef? Mikan she'kavulahem chachamim mesechta. From here we learn that the chachamim were koivea meseches megillah. So the words, V'zichram lo Yosef mizaram, the Yushalmi learns that they're Chazal were koiveya mesechta megillah. Now that's half levafela. That means the Gemara is darshaning from the pasuk in the megillah that there has to be a mesechta megillah. You think how think how rare that is? Is there any other pasuk in the whole Tanakh that the chachomim darshan there has to be a specific mesechta? Do we darshan there has to be mesechta Shabbos? There has to be mesechta Rosh Hashanah. Avada there has to be mesechta Rosh Hashanah. But there's no pasuk from which we learn out there has to be mesechta Rosh Hashanah. There's no pasuk that we learn out there has to be mesechta Yuma. There's no pasuk that we learn out there has to be psachim. And yet when it comes to Megillah, we darshan, the pasuk teaches me there must be a mesechta. 
as if the Yamtif is missing without Masechta Megillah. How could such a thing be? How? That means Masechta Megillah is Midivrei Neviim. Think about it. We're learning from a Pasuk in the Navi that there must be a Torah Shabbat Peh on the story of Purim. Think about how unusual that is. That means the Pasuk in the Navi is saying there has to be a Masechta. The Gemara Megillah says, I'm Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Chayv Adam Likras Hesa Megillah Belayla, Ula Shnoisa Bayoim. Shanemar, Eloikai Ekra Yoimam Velaisane, Velayla Veloidumiyali. That a person is obligated to read the Megillah at night and to repeat it again during the day. Frak the Gemara, what does it mean you need to read the Megillah at night and repeat it during the day? Says the Gemara, you know, they had a Havamina, Savramine, they had a Havamina. Where I come from, the Havamina, I learned in Yeshiva, the Iker is the Havamina. The Maskana just changes a little bit. You know, the, the Granat would say, he would take two Svarim, he would take uh, a little Sefer and a big Sefer. So the little Sefer is the Havamina, the big Sefer is Maskana. And if you don't know the Havamina, then you can't know what the Gemara's conclusion is. You have to know what the Gemara thought, and then realize the switch is very minor. So the Gemara has a, had a Havamina. Savramine, the Gemara's Havamina was, that Lamikre Belelia, at night you read the Megillah, and in the day you learn the Masechta. That's what it means. Chayiv Adam that's the Havamina of the Gemara. And the Gemara said, no, that's not what it means. What it means is you read in the night and do it again during the day. That means the Gemara had a Havamina. You come into Shilpur in the morning, and the Bakari gets up at the Bima, and he starts, Megillah Nekrez, Biyad Aleph, Biyad Beis, Biyad Gimel, Biyad Aleph, Bitesvav, Laipachos, Vilayoyser. That's the Gemara's Havamina. And you go through the Homosech, the Megillah, the Krachim, the Kfarim, Yer Aleph, Yer Beis, Purim comes out on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Krach v'choshen nirelei, v'choshen shesamuchlai, b'nei ha'ir shamachru ruchoi v'shalir, Moshe Tiken l'am Yisrael. I mean, the Gemara has a Havamina, that Purim morning you come to Shul, and the Baal says, Mesech the Megillah, what kind of Havamina is that? Is there ever a chiv to Befarhesya that the Chazin will get up in Shul on Shabbos and teach Mesech the Shabbos, on Rosh Hashanah teach Mesech the Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Kippur to teach Yuma? What kind of Havamina is it that there's a chiv to teach Mesech the Megillah? So there's an incredible Goin. There are two versions of the Goin. First I'll tell you the classic version of the Goin. And then there's a text a version of the Goyen that appears in a library in Moscow. Maybe it should be a Shmira for all the Yidin over there. The Moscow version of the Gra is mind-boggling. Says the Goyen, Megillah Nikres b'yid Aleph, b'yid Beis, b'yid Gimel, b'yid Dalet, b'tesvav. 11 plus 12 plus 13, plus 14, plus 15, 11 and 12 is 23, plus 13 is 36, plus 14 is 50, plus 15 is 65. Megillah Nikres. The Rebbein Hashem is revealed, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, Gematria 65, but the Shem Adnos, Aleph, Dalet, Nun Yod is 65. The Rebbein Hashem is revealed with the Shem Adnos, which is Gematria 65. 
Correct the Gra. What do you mean loy pachais veloyser? Not not less and not more. It should say we're not dealing with quantity. We're dealing with time. It should say loy koydem veloyacher. Not earlier and not later. Says the Gain. But the Rebbeinu Shlom is not revealed. Less that's ten. More sixteen. Ten and sixteen is twenty-six. B'shem Havaya. That in this world, the Rebbe Hashem is not revealed B'Shem Havaya. We're not going to say the Shem Havaya. Hashem is only Megillah, the revelation of Hashem. Nikres is proclaimed B'Yid Aleph, B'Yid Beis, B'Yid Gimel, B'Yid Dalet, B'Tes Vav. Lo'i Pachos, Lo'yos are not 10 and 16. Frek de Grah, the first Rashi in Megillah is B'Yid Aleph, B'Yid Beis, B'Yid Gimel, B'Yid Dalet, B'Tes Vav. What does Rashi say? Pa'amim B'Zeh. Who Pa'amim B'Zeh? What's Rashi Bavarning? You would think you lay in the Megillah, the 11th, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th, and Rashi says, no, no, uh, sometimes on the 11th, and sometimes on the 12th. What's Rashi saying? Says the guy, what Rashi's saying is, Pe'amim bazeh, bismanazeh, it's b'shem adnos, uvelasid lavoy, pe'amim bazeh, it's taka pachas v'yoyser, it's the shem havaya. That's Kavanas Rashi. As we know, Rashi fasted 613 times before he wrote Perush Rashi, and every word of Rashi also has meaning. Al So this is just one example. So that's the classic edition of the Gain Megillah and Nikres. It's talking about Hakadosh Baruch Hu in this world. Hashem is revealed. Beyad Aleph, Beyad Beis, Beyad Gimel, Beyad Dalad, Betesvav, Loi Pachos, Loyoiser, Not B'Shem Havaya. However, says Rav David Koyin, Rosh Shiva of Chevron that he heard that in, Ma- in Moscow, there's an edition of the Gra that reads as follows. Megillah Nikres, Megillah Esther is read, B'yid Aleph, B'yid Beis, B'yid Gimel, B'yid Abed with the Shem Adnos. But but it's not read B'shem Havaya. So it's not talking about Hashem's name in general, it's talking about the Megillah itself. And the, the Mishnah is saying the Megillah is read B'Shem Adnos, it's not read B'Shem Havaya. Now th- that which we say it's not read B'Shem Havaya, that's Pashat. Of course it's not read B'Shem Havaya, the Shem Havaya is not in the Megillah. But what does the going mean it's read B'Shem Adnos? There's no Shem Adnos in the Megillah either. So what the going has to mean is as Chazal tell us, then whenever it says Hamelech Achashverosh in the Megillah, it's talking about King Achashverosh. And whenever it says Hamelech, it refers to the Melech Malchei Hamlachim. Now, what's the Shem Adnos? Shem Adnos is Hashem acting as if Hashem is the Adoin, then we're the Avadim, and if we're the Avadim, He's the Melech. The Shem Adnos is Hashem's name of Malchus. And therefore, when we say Megillah Nikres, Be'yud Aleph, Be'yud Beis, Be'yud Gimel, Be'yud Aleph, that means the Megillah refers to Hashem as Melech, but not B'Shem Havaya. Now that's very interesting, because every other book in Tanakh refers to Hashem as the Shem Havaya. Why is Megillah different? Manishtana HaMegillah Hazois, then instead of referring to Hashem B'Shem Havaya, we refer to Hashem B'Shem Adnas. So we just have to understand one simple idea. The Yubar Shem has two names. By the way, the Briskarov has a very interesting chidosh that it would come out a chidosh in halacha. There's a shayla. If somebody is, going, uh, is a megadev, someone blasphemes the name of Hashem, so in order to be chayiv, you have to pronounce the shem havaya 
and be mekalel with one of Hashem's seven names, she'enam nimchakim. What if you're, you say Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, and then you are mekalel with one of the Sheva Shemois, is that also megadef? The Rambam brings two opinions, and the Rambam concludes, also if you say Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, and then you're mekalel, that's also megadef. The Briskarov explains, that contrary to popular opinion, that when you see the letters Yud Kei Vav Kei, people think, oh, it says Yud Kei Vav Kei, that's the Ksiv. And we don't read that word, we read a different word. We're, it's a Kri Ksiv. It says Yud Kei Vav Kei, and we read Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. No, that's not what it means. The way Yud Kei Vav Kei is pronounced is Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. It's not a Kriek Siv. A Kriek Siv is when one word appears and a different word is read. Normally when you get to a Kriek Siv, let's say the person's not looking in the Sefer Torah. It's okay. Because you're not reading anyway the word that it says in the Sefer Torah. You're, you're saying Tarshabal Peh. When it comes to the Shem Hashem, the way to read the letters Yud Kei Vav Kei is Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. So that means Hashem has two names. One name is hidden. The hidden name is Hashem's essence. The Shem Havai is Hashem's essence. The Shem Adnos is what we call the Heichal. Heyud Ches Lamed, Gematria 65. It's the Heichal. The, the Mashal is as follows. You get a word, you get that the king is, uh, is going to be riding through Mansi. But he's not going to get out of his carriage. You're just going to open up your front door and you're going to see the carriage go through the street. The king is inside, you're not going to see the king, but you're going to know the king is there because the carriage is riding through the street. So the Shem Adnos is the Heichal of the Shem Havaya. The Shem Havaya is the essence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the hidden part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what we can't relate to. And the Adnos is the Heichal of the Shem, that Hashem is manifest through His Heichal, through His carriage of Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yod. We don't understand Hashem's essence, but we recognize Him through His Malchus, that He's Melech HaOilam, that's Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yod. If I were to ask you, you know, we have two Torahs. We have Torah Shabbat and we have Torah Shabbat Peh. Which Torah corresponds to the Shem Havaya, and which Torah corresponds to Aleph Dalet Nun Yod? So, I don't know. Why would one correspond to one and one correspond to the other? The Gra, and this is a very rare Gra, it's quoted in a Kaivetz called Kaivetz Tzfunais. The Gra is Megala. That Torah Shabbat corresponds to one shame, and Torah Shabbat corresponds to a different shame. How many books are there in the Tanakh? 24 books. Chavdal Etzvarim. Ma kala miskashetes b'chavdal Etzvarim. Avt hamad chacham tzarech liyash baki b'chavdal Ma kala miskashetes b'chavdal kishutin. Avt hamad chacham tzarech liyash baki b'chavdal Etzvarim. There are 24 books of Tanakh. Plus you have the two Luchais. So the 24 books plus the two Luchais, 26, Shem Havaya, the Tanakh, Tarshah corresponds to Shem Havaya. The Tarshah is the essence of Hashem. And we don't understand the Tarshah We can't understand it. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to us without the Hezbar and the manifestation of the Tarshah How many Mesechtois are there in Shas? So there are different uh, ways of uh, slicing it. 
Shishim Hemamalachis, there's sixty Masechtais. But Chazal also say, Yehei Libai Gasmahem. You need to be familiar with the Shas. Gas, 63. There's 63 Masechtas in Shas if you count. Babakama, Bamatsiya, Bababasa has three separate Masechtas. However, says the Goyim, the Medrash tells us the same way. Babakama, Bamatsiya, Bababasa are three separate Masechtas. The 30 Prakim of Kalim are also three separate Masechtas. So how many Masechtas? 65 Masechtas. Corresponding to the Aleph, Dalad, Nunyad. So the 26 components of Tarsha B'chzav, 24 books of Tanakh and Tuluchais, that corresponds to the Shem Havaya. And there's 65 books of the Masechtois, 65 Masechtois, corresponding to Aleph, Dal, Nun Yud, says the Goin. 60 Masechtois are on Doiraisa, Nun Yud. Five are on Drabanon, Aleph, Dalad. What are the five that are Drabanon? The Goin says, Demai, Erevin, Megillah, Idios, Yadayim, are the five Masechtois Drabanon. So you have Torah Shabbat Sav is the Shem Havaya. The Shem Havaya we don't understand. The Torah Shabbat Sav we don't understand. However, the Rebbe Hashem is manifest through the Shem Adnus and through the Torah Shabbat Peh. What's the difference between the Shem Havaya and the Shem Adnus? The Shem Havaya is HaKadosh Baruch Hu acting L'mala Menateva, changing the laws of nature, splitting the Yamsuf, bringing the Makos, taking Kal Yisrael Adam Mitzrayim, Ani Hashem, Ani Hashem, Ani Yudke Vavke, Amosha Stick, was inscribed the Yudke Vavke. Every time Paro said, Mi Hashem Asher Eshma B'Koyloi, Amosha wagged this stick in front of his nose. What do you mean? Who's Hashem? Ani Hashem, B'Kerav Haaretz, Ani Hashem. But in the story of Purim, Hashem did not make any open miracles. There were no supernatural events in the story of Purim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was guised as the Melech HaOilam. Everything was within the guise of Teva. Everything was veiled. Everything was masked. It was a Hisgalus of Aleph, Dalet, Nun Yud of the Teva HaOilam. Hashem was pulling the strings. And therefore, Megillah Sester, there's no Shem Havaya because there are no open miracles. How does Hashem manifest Himself through the story of Purim? As Melech, B'Shem Adnos, Aleph, Dalet, Nun Yud. And therefore, if there was ever a Yomtif that must have a Masechda, if there was ever a Yomtif that has to be Megala, the power in the Yad of Hashem, not through Torah Shabbat Sav, which is Lamala Menateva, but is Megala, the Koyach of Hashem, through the Aleph, Dalet, Nun Yud, it has to be Megillah. The Megillah has to be through Masechta Megillah. It has to be through the Shem Adnos. It has to be through Mikan Kavlehem Chacham and Masechta. Shabbos has a, it's not mandated it has to have a Masechta. Yom Tif is not mandated it has to have a Masechta. The only Yom Tif that is mandated it has to have a Masechta is the Yom Tif that is Nizgala through the Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. It's Megillah Nikres, be your Aleph, be your Beis, be your Gimel, be your Dalet, be Tezvav. And therefore, the Yom Tov of Purim must have a Masechta. If it didn't have a Masechta, there would be no way for us to comprehend what the Rebbein Shalom is doing. Because there is no Shem Havaya in the story of Purim. And therefore, we have a Havamina. That you come to the Shul Purim night, and you lay in Megillas Esther, and you come to the Shul Purim morning, and the only way to be Megala, the miracle of Purim, is the Chazan gets up to the Bima, and he says, Megillah Nikres, be it Aleph, be it Beis, be it Gimel, be it Dalet, because without 
the Hisgalus of Torah Shabbat Peh, we have no access to the Yom Tif of Purim. I want to share with you one of my favorite insights on the Megillah. This is a Matanam and Ashamayim. And if you heard it before, be polite. But I have a few uh, interesting Haisafais. And um, we know that the Megillah concludes very unusually. The end of the Megillah, Hashem tells Kal Yisrael, not only did I save your life, not only did you kill your enemies, Vayasem hayam. Some people they bang by the mass, you know. They know they bang when they get to ma. They don't like taxes. But the Megillah ends. Achashverosh taxed the people, which is half of a fellow. Why in the world does the Megillah include that Achashverosh taxed the people? Who cares that he taxed the people? It's irrelevant information. We know that the purpose of Megillah Esther it was written for one reason and one reason only. Lahagdil Hanes to magnify the miracle. No events were recorded just to get a better understanding of the history or the context of the times or the political intrigue. The entire every detail was written only for pursuing. In fact, the very next pasuk is. You want to know the rest of the story? You want to know about the politics in the palace? You want to know about Mordechai? You want to know about Paras? You got the wrong book. You got to go to the Chronicles of Persia Media, but not Megillus Esther. So why is it being recorded in Megillus Esther that Achashverosh taxed the people? This is the Kasha, the Briskarov. So this is a great Matanam and Hashemayim. And we know that uh, Haman was coming into the courtyard of the king. The king said, Who's there? Haman was coming. That Haman was coming to tell the king to hang Mordechai on the tree that he prepared for him. So the Gemara Megillah is bothered. Why does it have to say the word loy? Obviously, Haman prepared it for Mordechai. Just say, Asher Heichin. Why does it have to say, Asher Heichin loy? Says the Gemara, Tana loy Heichin. He didn't prepare it for himself. He, he didn't prepare it for Mordechai. He prepared it for himself. Haman thought he was preparing the tree, the gallows, for Mordechai. Turns out he made this big monstrosity of an eyesore of a gallows to hang himself on. The Marsham says that how did Chazal know that he was preparing it for himself? Because it says, Heichen, Hachana. Hachana is only Shaykh by Advar Mitzvah. Hachana is something that enhances the performance of the mitzvah. So if it says that Haman was meichin, what mitzvah was Haman involved in that he was doing hachana for? Oh, he was being meichin for the great mitzvah of mechias hamolek. So it must be he was making the tree for himself. Chazal are saying that this is the method of hashkacha in Megillas Esther. That we're going to say Thursday night, Friday, that Hashem was hefarta satsasai, Hashem foiled the plans of Haman, but Hashem did much more than that. He was kilkalta es machshavtai. He corrupted his scheme. He took his scheme and his plan. He hijacked it. He co-opted it. And he says, Rebbe Shalom says, you know, we get very nervous. 
Who's our man in the White House? Who's, who's the Prime Minister of Eretz Yisrael? As if God needs our guy in the White House or our guy in Eretz Yisrael to bring Yeshua's for Klal Yisrael. Actually, Baruch Shem doesn't work that way. He never did. The Rebbe Shem says, you give me the biggest anti-Semite, you give me his plans, and I won't kill him and knock him off. I will co-opt and hijack his plans to bring about Yeshua's for Klal Yisrael. So Haman thought that this Achish is the biggest hypocrite in the world. He's the biggest wishy-washy, fickle guy. One day he's a Democrat, the next day he's a Republican. One day he's a Socialist, the next day he's a Capitalist. One day he's Ukrainian, the next day he's Russian. He changes his mind daily, so I gotta get him while the iron is hot. I'm gonna get him angry at Mordechai. There's gonna be this gallows staring him in the face, and we'll, we'll hang him, and before Achashverosh knows it, Mordechai will be dead already. And that's exactly what happened to Haman. Haman took one misstep with Esther. If Achashverosh would have had one day to think about it, maybe somebody would have said, you know, maybe Haman tripped or something. No, but the Chavrona said, here, here it is, the gallows staring you in the face. And he just uh, took advantage of the opportunity and he hanged Haman. And every step in the story of the Megillah demonstrates this kind of hashkacha. Let me give you one, and then I'm going to tell you some uh, new ideas uh, historically. Achshar doesn't know, know what to do with Esther. So what does he do? He asks, the Chachamim Yoidehoitim. So the Gra asks, I don't understand, he's the king of the world. You think um, the guy in North Korea, when he doesn't know what to do with somebody in his family, he asks the advice of Congress or an assembly? He does whatever he wants. Why is Achashverosh asking the advice of Congress what to do with Vashti? So the Gros says, the Pasuk in the Megillah addresses that. It says, Kichin Devar HaMelech. The law in Persia was that whenever something was Devar HaMelech, relevant to the king, the king was, also, was required to ask the advice of his Congress. So the question is, so then why in the end of the story, when Achashverosh comes back into the room and he sees that Haman falls ala mita asher and Chavayna says, hang him, so Achashverosh says, hang him, just hangs him, why does an Achashverosh have to convene the Chachomim, Yoidei Ho'itim, and ask their advice what to do with, the, with, what, what to do with Haman? Says the Goyin, because there's a guy by the name of Vayoymer Mimuchan, Lefnei HaMelech V'Hasorim, and Memuchan suggests, You know what Memuchan says? What kind of ludicrous, ridiculous law is it in Persia? You're the king of the world and you have to ask the advice of Congress. From now on I want you to pass a law that you make all the calls, you call the shots, and you don't ask anybody advice. So Memuchan passed the law that from now on, Achashverosh asks, Nobody! Thank you very much, Memuchan. This way, later on in the story, when Achashosh gets angry with you, he'll be able to knock you off and not ask, everybody, ask anybody because you were the one who passed the law that Achashosh calls all the shots. So Hashem doesn't knock off Haman. He uses Haman as a tool to bring about Yeshua's for Klal Yisrael. Ready for this? This is my favorite on the Megillah. If you look in Sefer Ezra, it says that Kaisel returned to Eretz Yisrael after the 70 years of Galus Bavel, and they have this great idea, they want to build the second base of Mikdash. So they turn to Darius, and they say, Darius, we want to build the second temple. So Darius says, Gesundheit. The Jews say, we have no money. So Darius says, make a charity campaign. 
So he said, no, they didn't invent that yet. So we're going to need you to we're going to need you to fund this. So Darius says, all right, I'll fund it. And the pasuk says, Daryavesh Melech Paras opened up the treasury of taxes, and he funded the construction of the second Beis Hamikdash. And I ask you one simple question. Where in the world did he get all that tax money from to fund the building of the second base of Igdash? But look how the story has come full circle. Because the story begins, Achashverosh is celebrating the 70 years are up, and if the base of Igdash is not built, it will never be rebuilt. By the end of the story, Achashverosh has become the chief fundraiser to build the second Beis HaMikdash. But it's much more than that. The story opens up. Achashverosh throws the biggest party in history to celebrate the fact that the Beis HaMikdash will never be rebuilt. And the Yibam Shalom is laughing, he says, you think this party is celebrating that the Beis HaMikdash will never be rebuilt? This party is going to cause you to get angry at Vashti. You're going to kill her. You're going to marry Esther. You're going to have a kid, Daryovesh. You're going to charge people taxes. You're going to die. He's going to get all the money. He's going to give it back to the Jews. This party is going to build the second Beis HaMikdash. So if you'd ask Achashverosh, what do you think this party is celebrating? Ah, the eternal devastation of the Beis HaMikdash. And if you ask the Yibonisham, what's this party celebrating? This is a Suda to prepare and pave the way for the future building of the second Mesa Mikdash. So, if I were to ask you, who built the Lakewood Yeshiva? Don't be shy. Rabaran, yeah? Mm-mm. Happened well before Rabaran. A good 500 years before Rabaran. There was a nice couple. They lived in Spain. They had just rid the entire Iberian Peninsula from all the Muslim infidels. They expelled 300,000 Jews on August 2nd, 1492, Tishabav. And they thought, as Barbanel writes in his Akdamais, that they were going to give a give, great gift to their God. They were going to expel every last Jew from Spain so that the Jewish people would never have a haven for their people, for their Torah, and this would be a gift to their so-called God. But we have a record. There was a cabin boy who was being taken to be sold as a slave to Africa. And he writes that when he was on a boat on August 2nd, 1492, and he was coming out of the harbor, he noticed there were three boats parked at the harbor, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria, which were paid for by King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella to commission Christopher Columbus to try to find the New World. So who discovered America? Who paid for the discovery of a much greater haven for the Jewish people than Spain was? You know, we talk about the Golden Age of Spain. You know, there was never a Golden Age of Spain. It's a... uh, it's like in Mitzrayim. When we left Mitzrayim, we said, remember the cucumbers in Mitzrayim? That's what. In Spain, they killed us for 700 years, and when we left, we call it the Golden Age of Spain. So Ferdinand and Isabella thought they would be eradicating the greatest haven for the Jewish people. So Yibonisham's laughing at them. You think you're eradicating a haven in the Gullahs for the Jewish people? You are going to pay someone to discover America then you're going to send your people to live in America. 
then the British are going to move there, rebel against you, cut off all your ties to America, so Rav Aaron Cutler could come to build the, the Lakewood Yeshiva. So the same way Achashverosh ended up funding the building of the second Beis HaMikdash, after Achashverosh and Haman, the next greatest, biggest anti-Semites were responsible for the next great haven for Klal Yisrael. In the last 200 years, I hope I could say this, who is the biggest enemy of the Jewish people? Hitler. No. Who invented systematic extermination of Kal Yisrael? Who invented it? The Russians invented it. They made concentration camps. They just weren't good at it. You know, in Russia, if you want to buy a car, so you give the guy $30,000, and he says, come back in 10 years, and you'll get the car. You know, the joke goes, so new, um, should I come in the morning or in the afternoon? So the, the salesman says, oh, what, what do you mean? It's 10 years from now. He says, I have to know. In the morning, the plumber's coming, right? <laughs> so in Russia, they do things slowly. They are, the Russians invented systematic killing of the Jews already before 1920. In the 19th century, the plan in Russia was to destroy all Judaism in Russia. They had a three-pronged approach. They were going to annihilate a third, convert a third, expel a third. So by 1920, two million Jews had already left Russia. In the last 60 years, who is the main sponsor of Arab instigation against the Jewish people? The Russians. Stalin wanted to kill, we're going to talk about it soon, three million Jews after the Holocaust. Stalin already killed 20 million of his own people. And yet, in 1947, 1948, we're losing the war. We're losing the war. We have no ammunition. So who's going to fund the war to try to create some area that Kaiso could build Torah in Eretz Yisrael? So Hashem put in the biggest Russia in history's mind, God put in Stalin's mind, that the state of Israel, which was socialist, is going to be communist. And he doesn't like the British in the Middle East because they're democratic. So Stalin funded the War of Independence and that was the turning point in the war. And then Stalin decided to recognize the state of Israel. So who's responsible for the Mir Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael today and Hebron and all the Torah? The biggest Russia in the last 200 years. Why him? That's how it always is. Who builds the Beis HaMikdash? It's always the Achashverosh. Who builds the United States of America? It's always, that's how the Rebbe Hashem operates. Hashem is not only Hefartos Atzosai, He's Kelkaltos Machshavtai. Hashem says, give me more credit than needing your man in the White House or your man in Israel or any specific politician. God always takes the biggest Soinei Yisrael as His weapon. Why? Says the Tamidei Hagoin, because in the Golos, Hashem's not splitting the sea. He's not making open miracles. So what evidence is there that, that's incontrovertible, that it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu pulling the strings? The greatest example and illustration of Hashkocha and the Yad Hashem is when HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes the Oyev and the Soine, He co-ops them, He hijacks their plans and he brings about Yeshua Yisvan Achamais to Kal Yisrael. You know, in 1953, 
So Stalin realized that Israel ain't going communist. So he had a very simple plan. He convicted seven doctors or six doctors or twelve doctors of poisoning Russian children. They were going to be put to trial March 5th, 1953. And March 6th, 1953, Stalin already had a full railroad system with four major concentration camps in Kazakhstan and Trans-Siberia where he was going to transport two to four million Jews to temperatures of 75 to 95 degrees below zero and kill three million Jews over the course of two weeks and he said he has to finish off what Hitler didn't do. And it was Shabbos 1953, February 28th. And Rabbi Yitzchak Zilber, he's in a forced labor camp with a bunch of other prisoners and that night was going to be Purim and he tells them, you know, 2,000 years ago, Klaiso was under the threat of annihilation, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu turned the tables just like that. You never know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could save us. We're going to read the story, we should gain Amuna. this could happen again. And there was a guy over there, Minkvich, and he said, Rabbi, what are you telling us? Nonsense. Who cares about what happened 2,000 years ago? We're talking about Stalin over here. Haman was uh, nothing compared to Stalin. Stalin already killed 20 million people. And he was strong like an ox. They, they, they said he was going to live to 190. The guy was like a, a third. And Rabbi Yitzhak Zilber said he's a bus of a dumb. He doesn't even know what's going to be in 30 minutes. He said that at 7.50 p.m. February 28th, 1953. There was a Russian refusenik in jail at the time. His name was Reblaib Meizrik who was in solitary confinement. You know, solitary confinement means you're in a closet. You don't know if it's day or night. He was in the closet for two years without seeing the light of day or without seeing anyone. They asked him how he kept his sanity. He said he knew that if he's going to teach Torah, they could take him any minute. So he memorized Sefer Tehillim and he memorized Masechtas of Mishnayis. And that's what he did all day in a dark closet. He only knew when it was the next day he got a piece of bread and a pail of water. 8.23 8.23 p.m. Stalin stroked out Lail Purim 1953. The next day, Rebbe Meizrik, he's, he, uh, there's no pail of water. There's no bread. He turns the knob. The knob's open. He walks out of jail together with 999 other prisoners. They just walk home. Rebbe Meizrik's wife and daughter... He had already lost all his children except for one daughter in the Holocaust. Now, in the city, they were such outcasts. You couldn't, nobody was allowed to talk to them. Nobody was allowed to look at them because if you look at them, the Russians would think that you favor them. So nobody would look at them. They had no one to give Mishlach Manas to that morning. Mrs. Leib gave Shalach Manas to his daughter and the daughter gave to the mother. They get a knock on the door. Who's there? Their father and husband. He just walked out of jail. Stalin stroked out. Purim, 1953. Rabbi, Rabbi Yitzhak Zilber said he had a dilemma. Is he allowed a davin for Stalin to die? And he said, of course he's allowed a davin for Stalin to die. Whereupon, from February 28th until March 5th, he said to Hillem, Yoimam Valayla Baalpeh, that Stalin should die. He did not stop until he got the report that Stalin is dead. He said, if anyone's responsible for him knowing to Hillem Baalpeh, it's Stalin. Stalin died March 5th, the day before the doctors were going to be convicted. 
and 3 million Jews were saved from a sure Holocaust. It's public record. Happened on Purim 69 years ago. This is the way the Rebbe Hashem operates. The miracle of Purim is by Yom HaMahim of Azman Hazer. So as we uh, read about what's taking place in the world today, various Rishayim in various offices around the world, don't worry. The Rebbe Hashem knows exactly who needs to be where, and the Rebbe Hashem prefers these kind of tools to carry out whatever the Rebbe Hashem needs to carry out. And just like in the times of Purim, and just like in 1953, Yeshua Hashem Ayin. Rabbi Moshe says the reason why the Yomtif is called Purim, usually you name a Yomtif after the Yeshua, not the poor, was the Tzara. Why are we naming the Yomtif after the Tzara? The Limud of Purim is that a person's poor, a person's lot in life could change on a dime, could make a 180 in the blink of an eye. It happened then, and Bezus Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should bring Yeshua to Nechamais Lanu Ulchal Yisrael Amen. Afrelechem Purim. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.